heard the call to build your small business? Make it happen with a .NET domain name, the place for dreamers for 30 years and counting. Visit keepdreamingup.net for tips and advice. Whether you're just getting started or looking to grow, that's keepdreamingup.net. Talking CBA with our friend Matt Herdlicka. That's going to be a fun conversation. Plus a quick preview of tonight's Houston Rockets game. You are Locked on Grizzlies. Locked on Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy holidays. Welcome into Locked On Grizzlies for this Friday. My name is Peter Edmiston. Happy to be with you. And uh, I do wish you happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah for those of you celebrating. Great time to be with the family and friends and watch a little hoops. Uh, and I hope you will be able to do that. Uh, I'll be off the pod for a little while for the holidays back next week. But of course, I'll be doing traveling and hanging out with my family and all that stuff. So uh, take that time to spend with yours. And hopefully uh, you won't miss me too much. But I'll miss you guys. Uh, we've got plenty to get to today. As I mentioned, a big interview with Matt Herdlicka of Grizzly Bear Blues. Uh, our buddy is going to talk about the new collective bargaining agreement, especially as it pertains to the Grizzlies. Uh, we talked uh, a little bit earlier, a few days ago, and uh, kind of you know, went over a lot of different things that I think you're going to enjoy. Matt's very, very, Matt's very well educated about this stuff. Does quite a bit of research. Knows what he's talking about. So uh, you will enjoy hearing from him. Also. I want to ask you if you have not checked it out uh, today in the physical paper and, of course, online, do check out my newest numbers game, which I had uh, a lot of fun with. It's the 12 Stats of Christmas. I adapted the 12 Days of Christmas to kind of suit the needs of the Grizzly fan and uh, came up with some some stuff that I think you're going to enjoy. And it actually, the, my favorite part is that it actually scans, like it actually works. If you sing the song, and I think you should with your family and friends uh, as you go caroling this weekend, if you sing the song, it actually fits, I think, pretty closely to the to the originals. So please do uh, do that. And I think also the, the, the stats are pretty good. Some of the numbers uh, that I dug out are interesting. A few things that, that I myself, you know, hadn't even known until I started uh, digging around a little bit. So please check those out, and I hope you'll enjoy it. Uh, it's some good stuff. Tonight, the Grizzlies take on the Rockets down at FedEx Forum, and the Rockets are playing spectacular basketball. There's really no other way to say it. They've won nine of their last ten. Only loss coming uh, as uh, earlier in the week, a two-point loss to San Antonio, but but that was, that was pretty much that. I'm not going to do a full 3Q preview because the interview with, with Matt – uh, is uh, is pretty long, and I want to make sure to give plenty of time for that. So I'm not going to do a real long preview, other than to say that I'm very curious to see uh, how Mark Gasol responds now to the positive stuff. You know, we know how he responded to the negative. We saw how he responded to David Fisdale really calling him out. We we saw what he did on the court. So now, how does he come back from a good game? What does he do in this one? That you know, he's going to be vital he was vital on Wednesday because no one else was really doing much and he had to score and score a lot and score efficiently he did all those things and more he was tremendous uh his best game probably of the year considering the context and and how it was needed and, and the different things that he did but he's got to do it again and this one is even more impactful because it's a division foe it's a team that you're right there with that you are trying to compete with in playoff picture, all that stuff. It's a, it, you know, Houston is a, it's a yardstick kind of game. You want to see where you're at, and and this is where Mark, 
needs to lead, needs to step up. I want to know what the Grizzlies are going to do with James Harden. You know, the Grizzlies have not been a great pick-and-roll defensive team, and Harden is such a master out of the pick-and-roll, not just with his offense, but with the ability to pass. He's been, you know, moved to full-time point guard and has been unreal, absolutely incredible. So how do you deal with that? How do you deal with the thing? He's so good offensively, he can finish, gets to the foul line a million times, draws all those damn fouls, drives you up the wall. But he's now such a key part of that offense. His vision is really good. He sees so many passes. He's got the ability to hang on half a, just a half a second longer before he makes that, that, that perfect throw, puts it right in the pocket. It's tough to deal with, and the Grizzlies have not necessarily had uh, everything working in the pick-and-roll game. So you know how you, how you stop that will be critical. They have been a very good team contesting shots. They have been a very good team getting after it defensively in that sense, and that's one of the things the Rockets do more than anything is spot-up shooting. Spot-up shooting is the number one thing per synergy that they do. That's about 21% of their offense. And the Grizzlies defend that exceptionally well, but they're one of the better teams at doing it. Uh, I think you have to be careful if you're the Grizzlies, you know, worrying about that. You know, the post-up thing is going to be something that's going to be a fascinating thing to watch because they are the the Rockets are the uh, least posting team in the league. Uh, they just they just don't do a lot of it, and they don't do it particularly well. But that's not really the way that their offense is structured. Uh, meanwhile, the Grizzlies are one of the more prolific post-up teams, and uh, you know Marcus Saul. One of the things I wrote actually in the in the numbers game was you know Marcus is the only player this year who's averaging more than five post-up shot attempts per game. Shows how the league has changed because you know you go back ten years ago and eleven or twelve guys were were averaging that, and Yao Ming was the leader, and he was averaging almost thirteen a game. You know, Shaq had seasons, 11, 12, 13 a game. That, it was not that uncommon for guys to just almost exclusively focus on the post. Those days are pretty much gone, and, and Mark is kind of a the last of the breed to some extent. Maybe it changes, maybe you see more. Maybe, you know, it's always cyclical, so stuff will come back. But uh, for now, at least, everything is moving very much away from that. So watching the contrast in the way these two offenses work, is going to be jarring because they are quite a bit different in the way they want to do things. But nonetheless, the Grizzlies need to get a big win tonight. We'll see if they can do it. Uh, I want to tell you about our friends at SeatGeek. SeatGeek is absolutely fantastic. And if you use the promo code LOGRIZZLIES, that's right, LOGRIZZLIES, you're going to save 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase and you are going to help the pod tremendously. What do you have to do? Just get the app. Just get the app. What a great Christmas idea. What a great Hanukkah idea. What a great idea to help those that you care about. Get them some great tickets for an event that's coming up. And if you want to get those tickets and you want to make sure you save money, use SeatGeek. Use the SeatGeek app. Just download it from the App Store. Simple as that. And you can start saving. Find what event you're looking for. Just search. They've got all the events you can imagine, sports, uh, shows, all that stuff. And start searching. Start searching. They use their proprietary algorithm to look across all of the ticket brokering sites so that you will see and you'll be able to, I mean, literally you can see based on color coding how good the deal is. They look across all the sites so you don't have to do all that work. You just get to save all the money in the process. 
It's really, really simple. And again, use that promo code L O Grizzlies. That's L O Grizzlies when you check out to save twenty bucks off your first Seat Geek purchase. It just makes sense. It just makes sense. The holidays, you got to do it. Save that money. Do something nice for yourself or for someone you love. Get them some tickets. SeatGeek app is the easiest way to do it. Again, SeatGeek, download the app. Use the promo code LOGRIZZLIES with SeatGeek. It's a great pleasure to welcome into this edition of Locked on Grizzlies. He is a contributor to Grizzly Bear Blues. Uh, you uh, can follow him on, tw- on Twitter at the Matt Herdlicka. He is the Matt Herdlicka. Matt, how are you? Happy no lockout day, Peter. How are you? Oh, that is a it's a great day. We should we should mark it on the calendar. It should be honored as such uh, every year. There's no lockout. I'm good. I'm good. I feel very good about that. I'm I you know we all kind of thought everything was trending in that direction. And, and the reason I, I wanted to bring you on is because you, know, you have a great. Uh, dexterity with this stuff and you know none of us really understand yet all the ins and outs and this new cba hasn't been ratified yet and there may be some little twists in the tail here and there that we don't know about but by and large we know a lot of the big picture stuff with regard to the new cba we know it's a six-year deal with a seventh year option that will almost certainly not be taken because they almost never are um we know that it's going to be Somewhat, there are a few similarities in the structure, like the 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 split of revenue basketball related income is fifty one percent to the players, or just about fifty one percent, and that will be the same, even if that that term may be defined a little bit differently under this CBA. We those are some of the the, the big picture things that we know uh, about it. Uh, first of all, before we get into the Grizzly specific stuff, because that's really I wanted you to kind of inform our listeners about kind of what the what what this is going to mean for the Grizzlies in particular but as a as a guy who follows this stuff what what do you make of what you have heard so far about the the collective bargaining agreement yeah so um the i i think that one of the things basically the calculus for the league was um you know they get to keep their same piece of the pie but for the players, because um, you said, like you said, the BRI splits aren't changing. Um, players will still get fifty-one percent. So from a league perspective, they're like, "Well, we're not giving up any money." Um, so I think that that was a big reason that we saw um, a deal get done because the owners obviously care about keeping their money. The interesting thing is that to get that, basically. Um, they had to agree to make the pie bigger. So one of the when the calculus for the for the players and Michelle Roberts was basically um, we want to include more things in basketball related income. So despite the fact that players are still getting fifty percent, fifty one percent, they're getting fifty one percent of more stuff. Which means that even um, even though we've gotten the TV deal and it's kind of um, come into the league and. We had that shock to the system where everybody has more money now. There's probably going to be even more money because more stuff is being counted. Um, things like, I think, sweet boxes and um, uh, something about licensing. But just basically, there are more revenue streams the players will have a piece of. Um, then one thing that I don't think anybody else is going to touch on, but I'm really – I want to commend the players for is basically um, – you probably saw this, but they're now getting 
they set up basically um I I don't know exactly what it is, but more like a they're gonna pay health um mm-hmm. health related benefits to all retired players. And they're even doing something where they um, reimburse players for tuition if players want to go back to school. And those are like systemic changes that I'm kind of shocked were in there. And, uh, you know, they're they're really trying to take care of, in, in this way, retired players and the rank and file and just make quality of life better for, for anybody. Um, even not, not just this, the stars made out in a different way and maybe we'll talk on that. Maybe we won't, but, um, you know, they really took care of the rank and file. And I think the owners were okay doing that just because basically they didn't have to, the owners care about how much, how much money they're paying. And if they get to keep, you know, 49% of basketball related income, they're happy. And, um, you know, the, the players get a little bit better quality of life now. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's kind of how it's a win-win in, in, in that respect, you know, if if the the players can still say, you know, they got the fifty one percent. There were some hardline owners and during the last negotiation that wanted to cut that number down to like, you know, forty seven, forty eight, mm-hmm. and and the, the players get to keep that larger uh, number. Now they also get to keep a bigger pie, which is especially yep. nice, and it kind of holds off some of the the players who wanted to up that percentage to fifty three, fifty four, closer to the fifty seven that it was like ten years ago. That you know that 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 could have been a contentious thing, and maybe it would have been with with David Stern. But it seems like Adam Silver and Michelle Roberts both approached this with a really good spirit, and with a spirit that this was something that needed to get done, you know, rather than this was a fight waiting to happen. I think one thing that's interesting to me is just the idea that um, you know I've only been following this for you know about a decade or so, but I don't remember anything being taken out of basketball related income. I hear haggles about the splits all the time and that that seems to be like the major thing. So from Michelle Roberts' perspective, I think that she's banking on the fact that it's going to be harder for the owners to take things out of basketball-related income and to make the pie smaller Mm -hmm. than it will be. Like that number, the BRI split, is more negotiable than what is actually in BRI. So I think that she's banking on this is going to be a long-term win for the players. I think you're right. I think, But it's also true that... You know there have been some massive increases in those different revenue streams since the last CBA negotiation. That was you know 2010 was when they were really doing the bulk of the negotiation, and then in parts of 2011, you know that's when all that stuff was being written. And I mean the the world, you know, with revenue, with with especially with international, with the various streaming opportunities now that they've got, you know, there are a lot of different. You know, outlets that were not accounted for, and if it wasn't accounted for, then the owners wouldn't include it in the BRI calculation, and and so those players just would end up, you know, without really much recourse for some potentially very large revenue streams. So I think it's, I think what you're saying is right. I think it's also fair if if the the entire pie is theoretically bigger and there's more opportunities, then the players, just like anything else, should get their share of that. I think it's also interesting that we are seeing some of the details. Uh, and this stuff is, it's a little, I guess some of this is a little technical, but like, I think if, if people are listening to this podcast, chances are they're a pretty big fan. So I think that the, there's a pretty good appetite for this kind of stuff. And, and Matt, I, I was intrigued to see that starting next year, for example, the exceptions and rookie scale that we see this year, next year, they will, they will be raised by 45%. So whatever any scale, whatever your rookie scale is 
for the first pick this year. It's plus 45% for next year. Your mid-level exception, which is, you know, what, right around $6 million this year, 5.7, 5.8 in that neighborhood, um, yeah. is going to be now closer to 8, uh, 8.5 with this new deal. And then each year after that, those instead of those exceptions – staying pretty well solid or, or, or increasing on a smaller percentage basis, which was the case in the last, in all previous CBAs, this time they're all going to be tied in with the cap directly as a percentage, the way that the max contracts are. Uh, I would imagine, Matt, that changes some of the calculus in, in some of the deals, especially for mid-tier guys, rookies, and the way that teams approach budgeting. Yeah, and this is gets into this directly impacts the Grizzlies, so it's a good, uh, very good segue, Peter. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, but yeah, it it um, all these exceptions. First of all, it was kind of ludicrous that they weren't all tied to the salary cap. I mean, basically, you had this five and a half million, five point seven five million mid level exception um, that was an artifact of a salary cap that was. Uh, capped at 50 million now we're at 90 something 92 i think off the top of my head um so at one point i mean the mid-level exception was 10 percent of the salary cap and 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 last year it was like you know five um so tying those to the salary cap makes them grow proportionally and makes keeps the tool there i mean the tool is basically for teams over the cap to to have some additional spending power and not be frozen out in free agency so if the Grizzlies want to keep – we talked about this last time, but just to reiterate, if the Grizzlies keep Zach Randolph, Tony Allen, any of their incumbent free agents, they're going to be over the cap. So that mid-level exception w- would have started at $5.5 million, 5.75, something like that. It's now at 8.4. So between that and then the Grizzlies will also have the biannual exception. That biannual exception was around $2 million, 2 per year. It's now at 3.3. So between those two exceptions, the Grizzlies will have about uh, carry the one eleven point seven million to split between two players between the, the mid level and the biannual. Um, so right there, you can see that even though they're over the cap, um, they can keep all their players and, and provided they have their roster spots, um, also sign some um, players and have a little bit more spending power. Does this impact uh, what happens with regard to Zach Randolph, for example, or Jermichael Green, who is going to be a restricted free agent? The structure of restricted free agency, I don't think, it doesn't seem as though it's going to change dramatically. I think the, 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 the time that teams will have to match an offer will be reduced a little bit. Um, there may be some small detail work as far as you know whether the offer you know, will you know, specifically restrict your ability to make other offers, if it will tie your money up the way that it does right now, cap holds and that kind of thing. So there may be some technical details there, but I think that the general structure of restricted free agency isn't going to change much. So for somebody like Jermichael Green, it looks like the cap number is going to have to go up. But even the projection was 102, I think, um, and it originally was like 108, and it went back down to 102. But now with these new numbers, I think you're, you're getting back towards 108, 109. Matt, does it change the Grizzlies' idea about keeping Jermichael Green and, and Zach Randolph in particular? Well, um, I'm, I've been operating on 103 for next year, um, and then a one just about 124 for the luxury tax, 
I mean, the luxury tax is really the thing. The, the salary cap isn't um, really doesn't come into play with 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 Jamichael and, and Tony. But basically, the Grizzlies next year will have about ninety three million committed and have a bunch of free agents. So um, with ninety three committed, you've got about thirty million before you hit the luxury tax. And I doubt the Grizzlies are going to want to pay the luxury tax. So between Tony, let's just assume Vince, they, they don't, if, if somebody has to be sacrificed, maybe it's Vince. Yeah. Uh, so between Tony, Zach and Jamichael, you've got 30 million before you hit the luxury tax. But if you do that, then if you spend all 30 million on those three guys, then you don't have anything for the mid-level. Um, you, you, you take a hit and you can't use the mid-level then actually. Um, so from that calculus, I still think they're looking at maybe taking, keeping two of those three, you keep two of those three, you can probably do that and still do something with the mid-level, um, maybe use some of it to bring over Zagoric, um, which you'll need to do. Right. Um, but that's, that's really the calculus. Um, and I, 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 so I would say you're probably looking at two of those three guys coming back. Uh, what do you, what do you think? I mean that sound that sounds to me uh, about right. I still think it's you know with 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 trade season now sort of unofficially open. I guess it was always open, but now that you can trade players that were signed in the summer, um, you know I think that opens up a lot more opportunities for for moves to be made. I, I still just kind of keep a little scant eye towards the Grizzlies and, and Jamichael. I just don't know even with this you know money being what it is. I, I just don't know if the appetite is there to pay him. Yeah, I think you yeah. can make more of a case for what Zach Randolph has become and what he's meant to the team and what he means to the city, you know, and I think he's also, you know, based on the last negotiations, he was pretty flexible. I don't know that he's, you know, going to be quite as flexible and they haven't really wanted to talk to him uh, until all this is, is said and done, but I, I don't know. I, I just I'm I'm inclined to think that they they just wouldn't want to pay you know, four and fifty, or four and fifty-five, or, or you know, who knows, uh, for yeah. for Jamichael. Maybe I'm maybe I'm crazy because I mean he's he's been he really, for the most part, excellent. He, he grades out fantastically well as a defender. He's an improved player. Um, so I, I don't know, but I just I, I my my inclination, Matt, is still that they just wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, I think um, this is pro- stepping a little bit on something I've been thinking about and we'll write about soon, um, but. I think that the the main thing I'm wondering about with Jamichael is is he integral to the Grizzlies have the number one defense in the league right now. You've written yeah. a lot about this. Is Jamichael integral in that? Can you do that or approach that, you know, without him? Can you plug in somebody else and still be really, really good? Maybe you take a small step back. And I don't know exactly what that calculus is, but if he is integral then he's worth the money that they will pay him um, to me. Because if it, it, you have to be the, – the whole season is about getting the Grizzlies back to being a lead at something. And they're there right now, and I can't believe it. I frankly can't believe that they are number one in defense. <laughs> if you had told me that before the season, it's, I would have been – It's crazy. You know, just – yeah, it's crazy. So if Jamichael is a key to that, if he is one of the engines driving that and you don't have a replacement for that – then you pay him and, and, you know, but if Tony Allen is that, or if Tony, Tony and Jamichael are that, then maybe you don't pay Zach. Um, the team knows a lot more about that. Um, and who, how they can replace these guys. But I still, I agree with you 
that I think my gut is that Jamichael is the replaceable one. I think that they can cobble together what they need to do um, defensively. Um, but just looking at, I mean, it gives me pause. It the, does. The, the, it's, the, it's hard to the say. Recent, or, give me give me gives me pause. I was a hundred percent in the Jamichael is replaceable camp, and he's not going to be worth it. And now I'm a little bit like, you know, I, I don't know. So, um, but one other thing I'd mention is is one. I think a big part of the calculus is Jamichael is going to want a multi year deal. I don't. He's not going to take. And I think there's a chance that you can pay Zach like 20 million for one year and then get him to take the room exception the next year. And then that would allow you to keep, to use cap space two years from now. Now the question, this gets back to the CBA is how many free agents are really going to move anymore? Because the, the, the league seems to be making it a priority to change the rules in a ways where incumbent teams are more favored to keep their own guys. Um, so I don't know if cap space is really I don't know if cap space two years from now is really as important as it is. And the, and the devil will be we don't know that yet. And the devil will be a lot in the details. I think I think that's yeah, the devil's definitely going to be in, in a lot of these details for sure. The 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 difficult thing uh, for a lot of teams is, you know, and this is this goes back to, you know, there's a theory out there. I was talking to a couple of advanced uh, stat proponents in various forums and I've had a couple conversations uh, with with a lot of these guys and there's a thought in the theory that the way that we have developed the box score over the years has really influenced the way players play you know if, if we had a box score we had a way to quantify other aspects of somebody's game then they would play a different way you know that that the the yeah. chasing of a triple double, you know, overvalues a direct assist when, in fact, you know, a hockey assist could be just as valuable or more so. Uh, and Rajon Rondo is, is well known for chasing assists, even at the expense of the better pass. So with a guy like Jamichael, I think that's where that kind of thing comes in. The, the evaluative tools that we have are a little bit different now, and particularly on defense. Now, there are some proprietary things the Grizzlies have that they use. Every team has their own proprietary metrics on this kind of thing. The stuff that's publicly available, you have to kind of tease out what you value personally, and, and it, it's kind of a eye test and a, and a numbers test too on that whole thing. And that's why I think you know Jermichael's a really interesting case because I, I do think you know it was a, it was thought to be a little bit crazy when Fisdale said, well, you know, part of the reason, and I directly asked him about it, and he said, well, part of the reason I bench Zach is because I really think Jermichael can do this. I think he's this is he's that guy. He had a vision for the particular way he wanted him to approach this defensively, and he's been really good. You know, if you have a way to kind of measure that, then and there are some signs that it that it is true. Then yeah, I think he could be worth you know quite a bit more money than most people think. But I don't know that we're there yet. You know, within the the public, and I think this really varies widely from team to team, even. Yeah, and one thing, like, you know, his offensive value is really circumspect, too, because, you know, he spaces out to the corners. He's shooting less than 32% from three-point range right now. I mean, it's it's there. We see him shoot the ball, but it doesn't always go in as much as we think. Um, you know, the, I, I, I see Jermichael hit a three, and I'm like, there he is. He's hitting a three. And then I look at the numbers, and I'm like, man, he's not as good at shooting as I think he is. Um, so I, I will say that, if the Grizzlies know 
that they can't they don't want to keep him then they should not they should make the decision to trade him before mm-hmm. the trade it's if if they go through the rest of the season with him i think that they should probably resign him personally and i think that I would be and i think that'd be a sign that they would i mean i, I think just knowing having seen what we've seen from this organization about trading about being they're usually relatively proactive on this kind of stuff um, so I, I would think that if they keep him, they would do so with the intention of, of signing him to, or, or matching, I guess, as the case may be, whatever offer sheet happens to come his way. Right. Um, so we'll know basically by the trade deadline, if it, you know, I, it's, it, this is, I wouldn't file it under disaster if they kept him and then let him walk, but because we just don't know what he, he will get, um, you know, in restricted free agency, but, um, if, if, if they're on the fence, I think that they should probably, especially if they can get something for him, I think, I think they should, personally. There are a few other little aspects of this deal, of this new CBA, that could be interesting. Not, they don't really apply so much to the Grizzlies yet, but, um, but, but maybe. Uh, the designated player extension is mm-hmm. an opportunity now for, for teams to extend their player, their, their star player, players that meet certain criteria, which apparently, according to Zach Lowe, include all NBA status, which I dislike intensely. I don't understand why that is the metric, but apparently that's part of the, 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 the deal. It, you can extend players that meet the criteria uh, up to four additional years and, and even five, I guess, in the case of the extremely gifted, very well-decorated player. Uh, do you like that? Uh, do you think there will be uh, consequences, intended and unintended, about the way this is executed? Yeah, so it seems like they're just overcorrecting a problem with the CBA now, which is that they basically neutered a team's ability to keep players from hitting unrestricted free agency. And I, I think, I can't remember if it was the Spurs or Golden State, but this whole this whole thing started because Steven Jackson was like two years into a four-year deal and what just basically started complaining can i wait can i curse on this podcast sure he started bitching about uh not having an extension and they gave him an extension like two years into his deal and it turned out to be like a terrible terrible contract that they had to trade away um so it was partly the impetus where teams were like we want we don't want agents agents to even be able to hold our feet to the fire anymore uh, so we don't want to be able to extend our players. But the unintended consequence was <laughs> basically <laughs> Kevin Durant is, in, is no longer in Oklahoma City. Yes. Uh, so um, I, I think that there will be there will be some kind of consequence. And I think I think what will happen is that you'll see a shift back towards players itching for extensions who don't necessarily deserve them. So like. I would be interested to see what the Clippers do. Like if they bring back, they're going to, they, they can, they now have a big, big advantage to, to retain Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. And I think that those two players are probably off the market this summer, but the next summer, Deandre Jordan comes on the market. And if he kind of like, like if, if, if he makes an all NBA team and that's all you need and he starts bitching for an extension and then they give it to him, like he'll be 29 or so and that'll be like age 29 to like 34 with DeAndre Jordan, a player who is predicated on, you know, athleticism. 
that could be a really, really bad. Like, I just think this opens up for teams to make really bad mistakes. And one thing that I love watching is teams make really bad mistakes. So I'm pretty yeah. excited about that personally. <laughs> there haven't been too many just total disastrous. I mean, I think GMs are generally getting smarter apart yeah. from, you know, Sacramento for the most part. Yeah. You know, there haven't been too many just horrifying things. I think also looking at the, the, the money on this, Matt, this is the other thing. When you, I, I think we all know the money. We all know how it's it's rising, how things are going to go. But when you see the you know tiers of the contracts and they're going to start at you know 31 for the seven to nine player that's the mike conley spot you know 36 for the 10 plus year player the lebron contract um when you see that and you see that chandler parsons signed a four-year 94 million dollar contract which sounded kind of crazy or a five-year 153 for mike conley I, i don't know in the context of that and you realize that in four years so by the end of the parsons deal the average nba player will be making 10 million dollars a year I, I i mean i think the premise that almost any contract signed last year or year before wasn't going to be overvalued i think i i think there's truth to that yeah definitely i mean the grizzlies have their core locked up for four more years and like like just to put a, like a couple massive underlines under this like marcus all is going to make less than Andrew Wiggins in the yes. very near yes. future. Like yes. Andrew Wiggins will be making like Mike Conley money. And I don't even know if Andrew Wiggins is good. Like he scores a lot of points, but his defense isn't there and he doesn't pass. Um, and there's going to be, that's another unintended consequence is these teams are going to have to shell out massive money uh, to keep players on, um, like Andrew Wiggins or yeah. like once upon a time, DeMar DeRozan got a massive contract and everybody was like, oh, I don't know about that. And he ended up growing into it. But I think there are going to be a lot of those mistakes where players, um, Contavious Caldwell Pope, for instance, going to get massively paid this off season. And I don't, I don't know. That could be like really dicey. So mm-hmm. you look at Grizzlies balance sheet and it's like, Oh, Marcus Gasol will now be like the 80th highest paid player in the league like, or something like, you know, like top 40, top 50. And well, he might, that's be, why you know, everyone kind of said, yeah, that's why everyone kind of said like, you know, you thought that Mark might, you know, hold on for a year or sign that, that the, the, the one and one yeah. that LeBron did, but no one else has really had the, uh, I don't know if you want to call it guts or the willingness to take the risk or whatever it is to, to do that. But by not doing that, he did the Grizzlies a great favor and he cost himself, um, you know, many, many millions of dollars. Cause I think even with the broken foot, having seen how his recovery went, even by the time that contract would have been signed, I suspect he would have been in line for a full max. And you know, that's it's, it, you're talking big money there. And it's, and had he somehow carried it over to this off season, well then my God, you're talking about, uh, you know, he would be eligible for the, the big one, the big dog. And that's a, if you, if you tease out, you know, thirty-six million with seven and a half percent raises for. I mean, that's uh, two hundred and some odd million, two twenty, something like that. I mean, it's a crazy number. Yeah. Um, one other thing I'd note is that the 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 bottom of the Grizzlies roster, they have four rookies who all will be making less than you know the the they'll be all making less than the minimum next year. Um, so that's how you balance. You know, having three guys at the top. Possibly four if you if you pay Zach Randolph or Jermichael Green big money, um, 
you know, they still have a bunch of guys, young guys on the low end still locked in for multiple years at, at tiny, 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 minuscule numbers. So um, it, it the big thing is is what you do with Zach and Jamichael and then, you know, how much you can spend. If you they what they should be trying to do, and I'll echo what I said last time, was basically keeping these guys while still preserving the ability to use the mid-level exception next year. Um because they've got a good balance sheet. I mean, like, you know, we, we should, if anything should pump the brakes on Mike Conley is overpaid, it'll be the, the contracts that are signed yeah. next year. <laughs> no, I mean, we, you can't, I'm telling you, we, we've, we've talked about this, you and I, not on the pod necessarily, but but I think over Twitter and in, in discussions like that, you, you can't overpay. The last yeah. two years, you really, it's it's hard to. It's hard to look around and find a contract that's really, like unbelievably horrible. I mean, they're, they're just not, they're not that bad when the money goes up as quickly as it has. And as quickly as it will continue, you just, you know, I, I think the, the Grizzlies generally speaking, you know, you can argue with their, and, and rightly so with their drafting, you can argue with their development of players until you know this season, they really didn't prioritize it to any major level. I think all that is very, very legitimate. Uh, but what you can't argue with is their ability to uh, make lemonade out of lemons, their ability to squeeze the fringes of their roster and, and, and create something out of nothing, and their ability to, to, to get their guys re-signed to contracts that are not onerous and are not untradeable. Um, one other note I'd make is, is just with the um, with the changes favoring incumbent teams and allowing extensions – like basically the CBA is encouraging drafting well. If you can draft well and develop young players, you can keep them for for as long as you want. You know, there there is no monetary reason for any player, any team to lose a player anymore unless they are just bumping up against the luxury tax. And and I mentioned that because that Miami Heat pick the Grizzlies have, that's the only draft pick they have. And I was thinking of that as being a pretty good trade chip. And now I'm like, you know, the CBA, if they get anything out of that guy, like they could just keep him for a decade. And I, I just wonder if, if if draft picks are now even more valuable, despite the fact that draft picks are going to be paid more because you can keep players for so long. If you hit, I think that you just you just can't trade draft picks anymore. Maybe. I don't know. That, that's just something we have to we have to look at. Um, I don't I don't know if. Like, uh, like I don't. I think Boston would screw up if they traded their Brooklyn pick for even Demarcus Cousins. Like, I wouldn't do that, you know. Well, you know, I think again, it, it all it all comes down to your what, what you value and where you are in your table and, and your growth table as a team and and how yeah. how it's time. I mean, you you can only you know th- there are teams out there. Denver is a good example now who have so many you know, good assets, but they don't have that many good players that are part of their team. They're all theoretically good players, but yeah. they're kind of to the point now where they have to find a way to combine those and to figure out something. And, you know, Boston is in that, is in that neighborhood. They're not, they're not, they're not quite the same, but they're in that neighborhood where, you know, they, they, you would think they would be a little bit further along, but they have not been able to turn those four quarters into a dollar. And that's, I, that's where I think you, you're still going to make those moves. You're still going to see that the teams in that cycle. I do think if you if you strictly look at it as a value proposition, if you are strictly making trades based on just purely like looking at the chart 
and figuring out what the value is and all that, then then no, you probably don't trade draft picks unless it's an absolute monster win for you. But I also think that you have dealing with ownership and you have other front office pressures that sometimes take away that chart and sometimes make you make a trade that you technically probably lose, but it's one that you need to make anyway. Yeah, that's a fair point because Denver reached the saturation point where they have like just too many young guys right. and and they've got, you know, a couple nice vets, but none of them are, you know, it, really their their problem is Manuel Moutier just didn't, he should have been the guy that was the, you know, the 75 cent, the dollar player and it just didn't happen. But I don't, you know, it, the Grizzlies are in a place where they've got, like I said, they have four rookies. And assuming they don't trade any of those guys, although I think they might trade Andrew Harrison, like I'd still, I'd still consider him probably the guy of all the, the young guys I would be willing to trade. Like, the, you, even though you get more roster spots next year, um, you know, you, you get maybe a 16th and 17th roster spot, which, which frankly the Grizzlies could use right now. Yes, they um, could. So, um, I don't know... Yeah, that was initially why I was thinking, you know, man, what do they need another draft pick for? Because that's that's damn near a third of the, your roster taken up with guys who are developmental projects. And I think that that reaches that saturation point you're talking about. Um, so I don't know. And, you, know and you can't and you lose and you lose the ability to move them because other teams know you're at the saturation point. So you yeah, don't have yeah. the same level of, of value that you get. Uh, and it becomes it, it's just this kind of vicious cycle where you, you can't get rid of them and you can't develop them because everyone's trying to, it's just, it's a tough, it's a tough thing. And somebody has got to break through uh, and, and do that for, for the Grizzlies. I, I think, you know, you know, they're, they're, they're not there. They're a long way from there. That would be a problem that would be um, <laughs> interesting for them to have. Cause that's very, very, very unusual for, for this team. If they want to win now, this is a roster of veterans. You know, the, the yeah. bulk of this team is very veteran. They're not really that interested in Andrew Harrison's development because many of them yeah. will not be around to see whatever happens to come from that. Uh, not to say that they don't they don't like him or don't wish him well and wouldn't play with him. Of course they would. It's just that they can see Tony Douglas on a night like last night. He was so much better that it was unbelievable. And these guys want to win. So you have to sell it to those players for this season too and say, look, guys, we, you know, we can still win. And I think that's increasingly a tougher sell based on the performances we've seen. Well, last year the coach uh, was in love with Ryan Holland, so the coaches and the players aren't always the ones that make the best decisions. But I agree with you. I mean, I agree with you. In a, in a perfect world, they'd be able to get an asset for one of these guys on the margins and keep Tony Douglas. Because I think, I think in the playoffs, like, you know, I think we're looking at the real possibility that neither Harrison nor Baldwin is ready. And it would just be nice to have, everybody's been saying it, a veteran point guard who can basically not come in and not turn the ball over and hit an open shot. So, yeah. and One thing also is, I, I think we, we've seen, um, to me, David Fisdale is, is rapidly learning. Like he, His learning curve seems very, very sharp. Like he's he's picking up stuff quick. He had he had some games earlier on where he you know, when both Mark and Mike were healthy he rested them both at the same time uh, in games and you saw big chunks of lead disappear and he didn't do that as much you know he found a way very quickly to use Tony Allen as a ball handler to uh, combat teams that tried to to not defend him in the way that Golden State did and that forced yeah. teams to play him more straight up you know he's playing that that third big 
you know, against Golden State, it was Jarrell Martin, but against other teams, you know, it's somebody else. Uh, and I think his, his, it seems as though his management of games and his management of plans has been at a higher level than I would have expected for a rookie head coach. And he's a very motivational guy anyway, though the players have bought in much more so than I would have thought. I, so you, you, you give him a chance to game plan, and I, I think I, I, I'm pretty sure I like the Grizzlies' chances. Yeah, I I um I agree with everything you just said. I have no <laughs> I'm just I'm just amazed at how how he's handled. I mean, just the like last night Mark did you saw the, you saw a couple times where Cleveland was coming back. And Mark is just like, fine, give me the ball. I'll hit a shot. And it just it happened like three or four times. He hit like two in a row and then suddenly the leads back up to double digits and he just knows it, before it was, we could only get the ball to Mark in the low post if if we needed him to score, and now he's just he's begging for the ball above the break at the top of the key, and, and I just think that I think that that still takes teams off guard. I don't. It's just, and it's. I think that we should start crediting Fisdale. I. It's kind of difficult to how much to apportion to him, how much to apportion the player, but. He's clearly empowered these guys, and um, Mark. Mark, it is rare to see a 31 year old just change. I mean, I'm 35. I, I'm pretty much like set in stone. Like I'm not changing, you know. Uh, and to see this guy just change yep. has been amazing. It's remarkable, uh, Matt. I, I appreciate it. Happy holidays to you and your family. Enjoy yourself, and uh, look forward to doing it again as we. Uh, Start to get a little closer to the trade deadline in 2017. All right. Merry Christmas to you and yours, Peter. Thank you once again for joining me here on Locked On Grizzlies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you want to shoot me an email about the show or if you want to find out more about advertising on this podcast, please feel free to email me whatever you want. Peter at Peter Edmiston. Dot com. That's Peter at PeterEdmiston.com. Follow me on Twitter at Peter Edmiston. Check me out every morning, 7 to 10. Wolo and Peter in the morning. Real Sports Talk, Sports 56, 87.7 FM. Read me in the commercial appeal in the numbers game each and every week. Thanks go out to Audionautics as well for help with the music. And, of course, please subscribe and review. I would love it and really appreciate it if you would do that. Until next time. Thank you so much. You have been Locked on Grizzlies. Locked on Grizzlies, your daily podcast on the Memphis Grizzlies. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Rush into Old Navy today for up to 50% off store-wide. Get dresses from $15 for women, $12 for girls, plus up to 75% off clearance for the whole family right now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1016 to 1020, select styles only.